0: Evening all and welcome. We're going to be reading from 1 John 5, verse 13 to 17. Yeah. 1 John 5, 13 to 17. <clears throat> I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything... According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask for him, of him. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that he should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> cool. Everybody,
1: can you help me hand? Can you help me bring this down? Thanks for helping me. <laughs> you did it all by yourself. Hi, everyone. It's Tom. I don't feel like going up there tonight, so I'm going to stand in here. We are continuing our series on um, prayer. Today's been a tough day for me. Um, I've been getting migraine headaches, and so I don't want to particularly be in the lights tonight. May the Lord bless you. Uh, don't turn them back on. <laughs> I like dwelling in the darkness. Um, I had a meeting with some people that was a bit stretching for me today, and a little bit annoying. And when I went home, I said, "Lord, what are you trying to do? What do? You, how do I respond to this? What do you want me to do?" Um, I have uh, had my Skin cancer things removed this week and so slowly adjusting to that. I don't have any clothes anymore that fit me and so I feel very conscious of that. The biggest shock for me today, spoke to my dad and my dad, who lives by himself in our family home, says to me that he wants to sell the home and go to a nursing home. Excuse me. I've had arguments with him over the years. I once said to him about, I don't know, 10 years ago, eight, 10, eight, nine years ago, I said, Dad, what do you want to do? He said, I want to stay here. I said, okay, I'll stay here. We'll make that happen. And today, I talked to him on the phone. He said, I've decided I'm going to sell the house and move. And I'm sort of like, I still haven't recovered from it. I'm still in shock. What's going on? Who's gotten to his ear? What does that mean? And it's not going to be easy, um, but I do expect it'll be better for him. So I apologise for that tonight a little bit in terms of my emotional states, not quite focused. I'm really shocked is the only word I can come up with, stunned by it, because it is so different. So I'm going to pray in a minute and pray that God will do something tonight. Um And some other things to tell you, which is really exciting, um, is Caitlin and Daniel get married next Saturday. (laughs) Who's married here tonight? Who's married? Do you think they should or shouldn't? (laughs) You've still got six days. It's not too late. They're very loving, very committed. We did some lots of preparation stuff. We had the rehearsal on Friday night and that was fun. So just before your church community, you sure? <laughs> Daniel's absolutely smitten. They've been praying the Lord Jesus doesn't return before next Saturday. I assured them that he wouldn't. I said, Pastor David doesn't agree with me. Let's wait and see. So, I'm a little bit um, not quite focused here tonight and the passage we get to talk about is prayer and praying according to the will of God. And the promise is that when we pray according to the will of God, we can be confident and we can be assured that He hears us and hears us in the affirmative, that He'll hear us and answer us. That's the confidence we can have. That's the promise. So we're going to focus upon that tonight and see what application that has for us. So I'm going to pray and I pray that you'll pray for me and with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are the sovereign God who is at work in our world and you work your purposes out. Lord, I confess tonight that I'm a little bit um, shell-shocked, a little bit emotionally depleted. But nonetheless, you're the sovereign God, and you can do and speak, even through donkeys. So, Lord, I ask that you might be gracious tonight and that you might speak your truth to these folk who have gathered together, that you might be glorified, through the teaching of your word You might achieve your purposes I pray especially Lord this should happen every service but I pray especially tonight that people would see you that they would be drawn to you they would hear your voice and Lord you're the one who needs to be centred and you're the one who needs to be focused so help us to understand this part, this portion of your word what its implications and application is to us as we seek to follow Jesus and we pray that through our um, service tonight that we might be better equipped to follow you passionately fully even Lord in those times into areas where we are uncertain but we trust and love you so Lord speak to us by your spirit for Jesus sake and for the honour of of Him and the extension of His kingdom. I pray in His name. Everybody said? 1 John chapter 5 This is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will He hears us. And if we know that He hears us Whatever we ask, we know that we have obtained the requests that we made of Him. Being a Christian, being a follower of the Lord Jesus, it's all about relationship. It's not a religion, it's not ritual, it's not routine, it's a relationship. And in all relationships, there is communication and there is give and take and there is learning and growing together. Christianity is about a a walk, a journey with Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 says, As you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him, so walk with him. You've received Him as Lord. Now, live your life, journey, walking with Him. When we receive Christ as our Saviour and as our Lord, we receive not only the forgiveness of sins, <clears throat> but He goes above and beyond that. He adopts us. He just doesn't say, you're forgiven. He says, you're mine. He selects us. He cleanses us from all the mess, all the defiance, the rebellion of our life gives us a new name, a new identity that we are now his brothers, God's sons and daughters. He's set us free, free from Satan and sin. He's transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, his kingdom and in that new kingdom he's made us citizens. He's given us a new home, a new destiny we belong to him and it's in that context that we have this relationship that we have this ongoing conversation with him as we seek to follow him in this imperfect fallen world through all the ups and downs of this life where there is an enemy where there is still a sinful nature within us but nonetheless he has done all this change in us he accepts us we have his attention We have his approval. It's incredible. And John says to us, and this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, (coughs) he hears us. Verse 14, of course, follows verse 13. Please write that down and remember that. Verse 13 is the foundation to this. Verse 13 says, the whole point of 1 John, the letter, he says, I write these things to you, to those who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that you may know, know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you have eternal life. I write these things to you so that you might be fully assured, certain, that you're in a, uh, a relationship with God through the person of Jesus. That's the foundation. In Christ we're adopted and we're accepted. He delights to hear from us. He loves us. It's maybe not a good illustration or an adequate illustration, but I love it when my kids call me. Whether it's text, email or phone and they have a way that they communicate with me. They have an affectionate name that they call me. is none of your business. My father has an affectionate name for me, which is absolutely none of your business. In fact, I think my kids know that name. And I would die of embarrassment if you ever learned it. My wife knows it. Do not ask her. It's a nickname that I had from when I was two or three years of age. And he continues to call me that name. And occasionally he forgets that we're in public. And he calls me that name. I love it when he calls me Daryl. I don't mind him calling my calling me his pet name privately. But when he uses that name publicly, I do feel embarrassed. And if you knew what it was, you would be embarrassed for me. Our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus, delights when we come to him to talk to him. Loves to hear from us. He is the sovereign king of the universe and we have his ear. That's the privilege that we have in knowing Jesus. Jesus. And so John writes, if you know Jesus, I write these things to you so that you may, those who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we, as his kids, as his brothers and sisters, as his members of his family, this is the confidence that we we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Yeah, that's the big condition, isn't it? According to his will. It's not... If we ask anything, he hears us and he gives it to us. We're not spoiled brats, we're not spoiled children. It's If we ask anything according to his will, I am very pleased that God does not always say yes to what I have asked for. Because I would imagine that if he had, I would have married the wrong woman. I would have bought the wrong car and be in the wrong church. I'm glad that God doesn't always answer yes because he's my loving Heavenly Father who loves me, who knows better than I do and who filters my requests. As I said maybe last Sunday or the Sunday before, I have two granddaughters and my role is not their father. My role is the grandfather. So my job is to spoil them. Father's job is to filter their requests and to answer what's right and appropriate. So if the condition is that we ask anything according to His will, well, what is God's will? And I chased lots of theological donkeys over many hills this week and threw out about eight pages of notes this afternoon. The things that was really exciting to write down and explore, but really at the end of the day is not relevant for tonight. What is God's will? Well, God has two wills, ultimately. People would want to argue for more, but I'll talk about that hopefully in about 90 seconds. God has a sovereign will. It's secret. It's where he is the supreme being who organizes and orchestrates what he wants to do and it will be done. He is sovereign and it will happen. Nobody can stand in his way and he will override everyone who opposes him. God's sovereign will. Demonstrated in the Exodus, demonstrated in the cross of the Lord Jesus, where it was not a mistake, nor was it simply a man-made plan to rebel against God and to kill his son. It was God's sovereign will that somehow God can allow men, people, to make wicked wrong choices and he can say, I'm going to let that happen because that will achieve this purpose. We don't always and don't often understand that. It may look like God has been defeated or God is not in control, uh, but in fact, He is. The cross is the ultimate demonstration of that. Psalm 135 verse 6 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, He does. In heaven, on earth, in the seas, and in the depths of the seas, everywhere. Whatever the Lord pleases... He does. He is sovereign. There is another dimension to God's will, which is not just simply his sovereign, secret, hidden will that all things that come to pass somehow go according to his divine purposes, but there is also his revealed will, his moral will, that which he has declared in Scripture. If his sovereign will is what will happen, then his revealed will is what he wants to happen. And that doesn't always occur. He is sovereign and he allows things to happen that he's not pleased with. He allows sin, he allows evil, he allows us to exercise our choices. And sometimes that goes in the exact opposite direction to what he particularly Wants. So when John says here, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, which will? Well, in one sense, it's both. But it's primarily, I think, according to his revealed will, that which he has communicated to us through the Scriptures, that which he has declared to us. some people call his moral will but there are these two dimensions to it god has told us very clearly that he wants us to be a people who love not hate true be truthful not deceitful to be patient not quick-tempered to be humble not arrogant to be forgiving not resentful to be moral not immoral he's told us these things in the bible in the scriptures He has revealed it to us. And if we pray and ask Him according to that which He has revealed to us, according to His will, then the Scriptures are saying that we can be confident that He has heard us and that it's according to His revealed will. It'll happen. He will work to achieve it. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, is probably a verse worth remembering. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, talks about both these wills of God. It says, "The secret things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things, the sovereign will of God, the things that He hasn't told us about, the things that we can't understand or explain, the secret sovereign will of God. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that have been revealed." What He has told us belong to us and to our children so that we may follow all the words of His law. There is the secret sovereign will of God and there is the revealed will of God. Some people also want to say, does God have an individual will or is it just simply very general like that? Well, I think God does have an individual will. But God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. We're not accidents, we're not flukes. But I think the individual will of God is part of the sovereign will of God. I don't think we should spend hours or days getting anxious about, gee, what does God want me to do? Should I wear a striped shirt? Should I wear a plain shirt? What's God's will? I don't think it's that specific or detailed. The individual will of God is when God comes to us in whatever means and He has a multitude of means where He can communicate with us what He particularly wants us to do. The individual personal will of God has to do with God speaking to us through whatever means, directing us according to His sovereignty. So Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 speaks about how God had taken Jeremiah from a youth and had ordained him, had chosen him to be a prophet. It was God's will for him to be a prophet. Or in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it speaks about David, whom God had chosen, individual will, to be a king and to serve him and his purposes. Abraham, Mary to be the mother of Jesus, Paul in Acts 26, Jonah, I want you, Jonah, to go to Nineveh. And he went the other way. God chased him. I want you to go to Nineveh. And he makes him go to Nineveh. God works in his life. God has an individual will for us that we don't have to be overly concerned or anxious about because according to his sovereign will, he will be directing us. We just need to be in relationship and listening. See, I believe that God wants me to be at Sunnybank. Not at Ingleburn is where i was and i think god said to me leave here come here so i am here because i am trying to be we are trying to be obedience to what we understand to be god's will for us flows out of our relationship with him christianity is this relationship it's not just believing doctrines it's not just adopting a lifestyle or practicing behavior it's listening responding to what he wants us to do. So John says, if you know Jesus, you're related to him, then when you talk to him, if you talk to him according to his will, sovereign will, what he really wants to do and will do, his revealed will, and even his personal individual will, And the promise is that he will hear us and answer us in the affirmative. We don't know what his sovereign will is. It's secret and hidden. We do know what his revealed will is. So we need to discover more about that. And we do know what his personal will is. So this verse in 1 John, I think, is saying... This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask him anything, according to his revealed will in the scriptures, and according to his personal will, communicated to us through various means, if it's according to that and in line with that, then he hears us in the affirmative. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we have obtained the requests that we have desired of of him. It's saying to us that this experience of prayer, which is vital, is to be our um, lifeline, our link in this relationship with him. Prayer is not the last resort, it's the first resort. leads us to ask the question about, Lord, what are you wanting to me to learn about what's going on in this situation? What are you trying to do? So I go home from my rather stretching and somewhat frustrating meeting with some brothers and sisters in a particular ministry. And eventually asking the question, eventually getting to the point of saying, Lord, what are you saying? What do you want? how do I fall in line with what you're trying to do so for us to be effective in our relationship with the Lord Jesus in prayer it comes to this attitude of submission to God's sovereignty, God's in control, what's God doing and discovering as best we can what his will is 1 Corinthians chapter 2 talks a little bit about this as well It alludes to the fact that there is this hidden will of God but also this revealed will of God. The hidden will of God is verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it even entered into the minds of people what God has prepared for those who love him. We have no idea what God is doing and what God has planned. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. God speaks to us through the scriptures and by his spirit. I believe both of those things. Primarily, God speaks through the scriptures. He has ordained the scriptures to be written, to be preserved, and we have them today. His word, his will is in his word. And so we need to be people of the book to be reading it. They are God-breathed. And so we need a disciplined process of interaction with God's words, to be reading the Bible on a regular basis, disciplining ourselves, exposing ourselves to God's revealed will. And then often through the Word of God and sometimes outside the Word of God, the Spirit of God will communicate His will to us. I think He primarily will use the Word of God, but He is not limited to it. But he inspired it and it's the major tool that he will use. There are also personal promptings. But usually the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and he will personalise the text so that you'll say, I think this is what God wants me to be doing. We need to discover what God's will is if we're going to pray his will with confidence. I certainly believe that God is ready to reveal his will to us. I don't think he's hiding it from us. That's why he gave us the scriptures. He invites us certainly to pray and provided. As he says in the scriptures, there's a condition to all of this. John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you desire and it'll be done for you. It's a similar thing to what John says. If you abide in me, there's a close relationship between us and Jesus. Jesus that we are full of his spirit, drenched, saturated, at home in his presence, not rebelling in any area against his lordship, but fully surrendered, acknowledging him as Lord, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. These words, the words of scripture, where there is this daily, consistent, habitual intake of scripture, where we are learning what he is like and what he dislikes and what He directs and what He wants, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you desire because He will be shaping your heart and it will be done for you. The Word of God reveals to us the will of God. I have said this on numerous occasions before and I'm going to say it again tonight. That God does have a will for us. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, well, what's his will? Well, he's told us in the scriptures. Here are six things. We need to understand what they are and then tick them off as we go. Becomes self-reflective, becomes also very helpful. Because at this point, the Spirit of God might very well say, that's an issue, that's an area. We've got to talk about that, we've got to deal with that. This is not quite right in your life. So as we go through, you tick them off and say, yep, 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 yep. And then you'll get the good news at the end. What is God's will for us? God's will for us, number one, is that we're saved, that we know the Lord Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 29. It's more like, If I took a hand, it's like this is the palm. It's God's will for us to know Him. And then there are five other things that God's will is that He wants us to know and do. To do the will of God, we need to be related to Jesus. We need to be His brother, His sons and daughters. God is not willing that any should perish. God wants all people to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. That's His will for all people. That's his revealed will. And he invites us into that relationship. That's the first question then. Do you know Jesus? Have you confessed him as Lord? Have you invited him to be your saviour? Have you acknowledged your sin? Have you repented? Have you asked him for forgiveness to be changed that you might have eternal life through him? That's step one. Until you take that step, these other steps are not relevant for you. That's exactly what John says here. I write these things to you so that you may know um, that you have eternal life, to know it. And if you know it, well, then you're ready for the next ones. But until you get to this first step, all the rest are irrelevant. That's God's will for you, to know Jesus. Well, most of us here tonight, not all perhaps, but most of us here tonight have done that. We say, Yep, I acknowledge Jesus as Lord. He is my Lord and my Saviour. I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven because He promised. I believe Him, I accept Him, and He accepts me. He has adopted me into His family, and He will never reject me. Done. Now, what about the other five? This one, number one. You need to be spirit-filled. It is God's will for you, according to Ephesians 5.18, that you are saturated with the things of Christ, both his word and his person. That he is Lord of your life. Every area, that there are no exceptions. He's not Lord of most of my life, he's Lord of all of my life. Without exception, I am filled with the spirit. Drenched is a great word. Just saturated, filled up. I am under the control of God's Spirit. Number two, Spirit-filled, sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. That I am being purified. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, very clearly, um, that there are certain choices that we are to make in life. For this is the will of God, he says for you, your sanctification that you abstain from fornication, sex before marriage, that each of you know how to control your own body in holiness and in honour, not with lustful passion like those who don't know God Um, and that no one uh, wrong, a brother or a sister in this matter because the Lord is the avenger in all of these things just as we told you before. God did not call us to impurity but in holiness, sanctified that every area of my life is lining up with his perfect will. And I'm not compromising that in my mind, in what I think about, or in my speech, in the way I talk to others, or with my eyes, in what I watch. And there's a multitude of resources for us to be led astray on this. Movies internet, DVDs, so on, sanctified. That needs a tick. Saved, spirit-filled, sanctified, submissive. Not a common word or a popular word in our culture, but Peter certainly says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 15, that we are to be submissive to those who are in authority over us. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the Prime Minister or of state premiers. For it is God's will, but by doing right, you should silence the ignorance of foolish people. As servants of God, live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honour everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the Emperor. Submissive. Submissive to the laws of the land. Submissive to my boss at work. Submissive to the elders of the church. Wives, submissive to husbands. Children, submissive to parents. Submissive, an attitude of submission is God's revealed will. That's what he expects of us, to be Submissive. Check your life. Is there any area where you are rebelling? Submissive to all those in authority over us. Saved, Spirit-filled, sanctified, submissive, serving. Serving. 1 Peter 2.15, similar text. For it is God's will that by doing right, by doing good, God has called us to be servants. To not only use our spiritual gifts in the church, but to be doing good outside the church. To be doing good to people. Serving, having a servant attitude. That's God's revealed will for us. And then finally, suffering. But sometimes... It is God's will for us to be a people who, out of loyalty to him, will be called to suffering. 1 Peter 4.19 Therefore, let those suffering in accordance with God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. Sometimes in standing up for the Lord Jesus and being true to him, there will be opposition. It's having an attitude of, I am prepared to suffer, and if I am suffering, then it's standing true and being faithful. If all of these things are true in your life, if I'm saved, spirit-filled, sanctified, that I am submissive, serving, and I am prepared to suffer or am suffering faithfully for Him, then the question becomes obvious. Who is controlling your life? If all of those are true, And the Lord is controlling your life. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse uh, verse 9 warns us that the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, it's not trustworthy. Our own natural desires, it's tricky. But if this is true, then who's controlling the desires of our heart? He is. And so therefore another verse, Psalm 37 verse 4 is true. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you're saved, you acknowledge Jesus as Lord and you are spirit-filled, sanctified, um, submissive, serving and prepared to suffer for him, then he is not just verbally but he is in reality the Lord of your life and he'll be working his purposes out in you. So who is running your life? God is. What can I pray? What's on my heart? As Augustine said, love God, do as you please. Delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Practice being the right person and God will direct you into the right place. That's the challenge, being his person. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12... That in view of God's mercies, we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices. Everything. Everything. Every area of my life. No exception. Every area. On the altar. It's yours. Do with me as you will. And then Paul says, Then you will discover that God's will is good, pleasing and perfect for you. You discover that after this attitude of submission, of total surrender. Lord, I hand my whole life over to you. I'm willing to do and be whatever you require in any circumstance. A living sacrifice, fully available. That's what the Lord Jesus was and demonstrates for us in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prays, not my will, but your will be done. John says to us, as we seek to follow the Lord Jesus, as we seek to learn more about prayer, I write these things to you so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life, saved. And this is the boldness that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, Spirit-filled, sanctified, Submissive, serving, suffering. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have desired of him. Let's pray together. Sovereign Father, the secret things belong to you. That you are the supreme being. You are sovereign. You are working your purposes out. That nothing escapes your notice. That you will ultimately be victorious. And you have also revealed to us portions of your will parts that are clear for us the problem Lord is not that we don't understand, the problem is often that we do understand but we don't like it so I pray that you might help us to be spirit filled and submissive and that whatever your revealed will is, that we will comply that we will align ourselves with it for no other reason except you require it you said it and Lord I pray and ask that for each of us here tonight you might develop in us each of us a very intimate relationship with you that we might walk with you each day listening reading your word learning more about your revealed will hearing the promptings of your spirit and submitting to your sovereign will as you allow things that surprise us and all things lord god we acknowledge that you are good you are perfect you are loving and you are kind may your will not only be done in our lives but may your will be embraced in our lives lord we love you help us to love you fully Help us to be able tonight to tick each of those six areas of your revealed will. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would indeed be Lord of every part of us. And that you might lead us into this deeper, closer relationship with you. I ask that in your incredibly wonderful name. Amen.
2: speak. Perform your wondrous deeds through those who are weak. Lord Jesus, as you next week and that we might be turning our hearts